Okay, so today's guest is an amazing, hardworking woman who is working, amongst other things, with the Amy Winehouse Foundation and is also part of the team Olympi, which is where we had the pleasure of meeting her. She has a lot of experience working with young creators and mental health within the industry. Welcome to Dig Deeper, babe, Rowan Carnan. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for wanting to be a part of oh, our journey. Yes. My pleasure. My pleasure. Really enjoyed so, the podcast so far. It's been good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we want to start with just asking you, who are you? Who is Rowan? And yeah, just tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. Who am I? Good question. We never get the answer to that. <laughs> um, yes, well, I can tell you about my work. I mean, I guess we usually end up defining ourselves by what we've done. Um, True. <clears throat> so, yeah, I guess, I, well, I grew up in London. That's my home. I'm born and bred Londoner. Um, in my late teens, I started to work with kids and, um, and realised it was never like an ambition, but I realised I was quite good at it. Um, and then I'd always had an interest in stuff like the music industry and media, but I was never driven enough to kind of do the whole, you know, you're going to have to make tea for ages. And, you know, it was more the business mm, yeah. side of things I was interested in. So it kind of always put me off and I was always kind of wanting to earn money and stuff. So I kind of had this background interest, but never pursued that properly. Um, and so after working with kids for about four years as a play worker, I went on to work at a charity in a place called Hackney in London, which is a pretty trendy area of London now, but it's also a really deprived area. So I worked there for eight years, actually. Um, mm. And that was like overseeing all of the adventure playgrounds in, in that part of London and making sure that kids from deprived areas had somewhere to play, which is in a yeah. city, you know, it's not always easy. Um, <clears throat> and at the Towards the end of that, my eight years, I, I took the opportunity to do a degree in social enterprise, which is like the setting up of socially minded businesses. So I kind of I, I thought I really wanted to leave that job. But this came up and it was it was a free opportunity to get a degree. And I'd kind of always pondered about mm. going to uni and not going to uni. I was 28 when I started uni and I think I graduated. Okay. And 31 I guess so that's that year I graduated I got made redundant from that job and I did some amazing things in 2011 I kind of traveled to Thailand for a few months worked in an orphanage wow. um it was an orphanage that was set up after the tsunami so I kind of had this amazing experience there and did some traveling and stuff and then the summer that I got back like two two really major things happened um particularly in London but they kind of were felt beyond there. Um, I think on August the 3rd or 4th of 2011, there was a guy called Mark Duggan that got shot by the police in London. Oh, and um, yeah. that started some, that started riots. So uh, they were kind of, you know, they, they started in London, they spread around the UK. I was already helping some old school friends of mine write a business plan for their kind of organisation called Fully Focused. Well, maybe it didn't even have the name then, but it was like a youth-led production company. Um, and so when the riots happened, we went out and made a film, a documentary in response to that. Um, and I, yeah, played quite a significant part in making that happen. And that became like a, an award-winning film. It went all over the wow. country wow. and all around the world, so actually. Cool. The month before that, July 23rd, 
um, Amy Winehouse died. And obviously that was something that everybody around the world felt. But I didn't know Amy, but she was obviously from North London, which is where I've grown up. So, you know, she's mm. very much like people I, I know. And uh, my, my, one of my good friends worked with Amy on her music management team. And um, so by the end of this summer, I'd been doing all this free work to make this film, but I didn't have a job. And I was signing on and I was getting benefits to pay my rent. And I kind yeah. of thought, actually, I need to get a job. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's time to get some paid money. And, you know, I just graduated from this degree. So it was like I did have skills, but I also didn't know really what I wanted to do next or, you know. Mm. And uh, so I, <clears throat> I said to my friend Petra, I see they've set, you know, the family have set up this charity in Amy's name. Like, what, what's the deal? Do they need any help? Or, And she... Um, introduced me to them just uh you know and said introduce me is this is my friend you know do you need any help and I I met I met this is am I rambling no, <laughs> no this just, is great yeah Keep this going. is awesome I'm just gonna give you my life story I didn't intend to but it seems that's where we're going <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> no but I'm totally great. in it yeah. yeah I'm so into this right now good 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 um so yeah so I I think literally so it was one week so on the Monday I met Amy's dad and his manager and basically, I'd really, I'd really sat with this idea as a possibility. It felt so huge and it felt like completely out of my reach. But at the same time, the whole time I had this really deep feeling that I was supposed to do this job and help them. And it, there wasn't a job either. I just knew I should be with them. And suddenly mm. all those bits of like, you know, the, the interest in the music industry or the, the little all my different life experiences where there'd been no plan they just suddenly made sense so yes I met them on the Monday just had a chat but I'd really done my homework so I've been like vision boarding and listening to Amy and just really kind of you know getting in the zone and Mm. um yeah and so I just kind of said look this is what I think you need to do I'd love to help you do it um so they said okay we'll have a think we'll come back to you the next day I had a job interview for a different job now when I think about it, it was like women of the world unite or something no it wasn't that that's another slogan but it was like a a women's charity but it was like me in a room with about eight OAP ladies like (laughs) much respect to them but like it was a complete it was like the far end of the spectrum compared to the job I was dying to do it was just like and it was just such a bizarre experience but they offered me the job and they wanted to know by that Thursday and so I had to go back to the family and just say look I know there's not a job on offer, but, uh, you know, I've been offered something else. If there's any chance it could happen with you, then just please let me know. So then her dad came back and said, right, um, how about you come in on Thursday and meet my wife? So I came in on Thursday. Ah. She did a a bit more of a professional interview because her dad and his manager were just kind of chatting and she asked more practical kind of interview questions. And then I left, but I had to tell the other job the answer. So I, I decided, even though it was a job and I needed a job and all that, I, I turned down the other job. Because you just felt that it was right to go with Amy's family. Yeah, I guess it was also how much I wanted to do that. And I wasn't feeling like that about the other thing. It exactly. was like, even if it's not that, I feel like I want to feel that way about what I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, and then the Friday morning, her dad and his wife just rang me on the way to the airport um, and just said, okay, we want to offer you a job and we want to pay you the same salary you've just turned down. And when can you start, basically? So then that was... That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I think 
you as a person we know you're amazing and we've um had the pleasure to know you for over a year now mm. and you just make such an impact on people and it's yes. just so cool because you didn't even know their family and you just decided that let's just check if i can help right and this that's kind of started this whole thing for anyone who doesn't know like the simple f- for dummies easy <laughs> way what is the amy winehouse foundation and what do you do yeah well i, I just to say i have nothing i'm not working there anymore so i i left there before i came to limpy so my first job really before we even got established was just going through this inbox slowly and the experience i had you know immediately we were given a room in the in the offices of another of a music company as the the company that managed amy we just had a tiny back room in their office and it was me amy's dad mitch his wife jane and then her brother alex in this small room you know months after they'd mm. lost amy so it was very intense um and a very privileged position as well you know i kind of um it took a lot of kind of skill i guess to navigate around how yeah how do you sit with a family that are grieving and not only grieving but grieving someone that you know is so so famous um yeah yeah so that that was that was an experience and tough at times obviously but yeah as as time went on we we really started to they started with a really broad remit of helping like young people in need and that was kind of across the board in any way um I always knew they had a very unique platform to work around drugs and alcohol um, to raise awareness. But there was a reluctance from the family in the early stages to focus on that because I think they'd seen so much damage through the media of Amy being kind of painted as this, you know, a drug addict and and all of the stuff that comes with that, that they didn't want this legacy to be about that. But over time, I think they really started to realise, actually, no, we can use that very public tale of addiction and and the the how Absolutely. bad it can get um to to try and change other young people's lives so so yeah so we we well we did a number of things we raised a lot of money to give to other charities so we gave away over a million pounds to different organizations wow. well firstly we raised the money and then we gave that yeah. to other organizations um and that was you know anything from children's hospices to music projects to uh yes. paying for beds in rehab um you know loads of different things um and then we started to develop our own projects so um we uh, had a schools program that was taking people in recovery from addiction into schools to talk to them about the underlying effects of drug and alcohol misuse so not saying don't take drugs but saying you know you may suffer from low self-esteem and therefore those the patterns that you can start to see with people that you know have those things and don't work on them they may start self-medicating or you know kind of right talking yeah. about experience and that that program is still going um so obviously i left in 2018 um so that's still going to some extent and they also set up a recovery house for young women so young women coming out of rehab get less support there's less specialist support for them in the UK anyway um, and so often someone comes out of rehab if they go back to the same place where they were when they were using it's that triggering. same pub is across the road the same drug dealer is right, on the corner yeah. Yeah. and and also the same trauma in their lives or the same people that are triggers for them so um exactly yeah so this was a, an amazing place where people could stay for up to two years have their own self-contained flat and be kind wow. of supported and counseled into just re-entering society and kind of 
fulfilling some purpose in their life again. Um, that was Amy's place. And then the, the project I cared and loved the most um, was Amy's Yard, which is what I developed with a colleague of mine, um, Trenton Harrison Lewis. Um, and this was a programme for young artists. So this is kind of where you can start to see how I ended up at Limpy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Amy's Yard was like a programme. We ran it for five years and we took we took referrals from organisations already working with young people that were facing challenges. So we would target homeless organisations, mental health organisations, um, places that were supporting kids that maybe had been in the criminal justice system, things like that. And they would refer, they would, they'd have to be making music and have, you know, a kind of some talent and ability recognised already. Maybe they had a studio in their building and they were already making some music. So they could refer them to us and we would take on 16 young people at a time and for over a 12 week period we'd kind of, um, they'd get to make a song with a producer in Amy's studio. So we, the family still paid wow. to keep Amy's studio and all her amazing old equipment. Um, and then we would work with people like Island Records and MTV and all different right. partners. Yeah, and we would take them and kind of for masterclasses basically and, and meet all these different people in the industry that could help them navigate their way through give them those basic understandings of what is the industry who works in it what do they do what do you need to know um and then they'd work towards a showcase at the end where they'd perform their one track that they made in front of like you know all of friends oh. and family and stuff yeah that's, that's so amazing. cool yeah it's so amazing how how big this got and and is and how how many people you help through these through these years it's kind of hard to imagine even. Yeah. But yeah. how, from all of this, how did you end up in Norway, in Limpi? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, not a place I had ever envisaged I would be spending. No one thinks any they're going to end life. up in Norway in a way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely place. I mean, now I have a whole different relationship with it, but I would never have pictured it or it was just one of those things. Um, so how did that happen? So I came to the end of my time at the foundation. I left in 2018 and I was, I'd left for a job um, kind of running the, the Global Youth Awards. So it was about celebrating young people around the world doing kind of amazing things around the environment and empowerment and stuff. So I, I organised the London event and the LA event and then things kind of didn't work out in that job. Um, and so it's weird, actually. So I had actually been introduced. You remember doing a workshop called With Young Happy Minds? Do you remember? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So they're an amazing organisation who I used to have run some, a workshop for me on Amy's Yard. So one of the founders of that is from London or the UK and one is Norwegian. So, um, <gasps> yeah, okay. so they used to come yeah. in and, and, and do this kind of, you know, mental health and wellness um, for Amy's Yard and then. Um, basically one of the the Norwegian woman had come back home and she was carrying it on there I think she knows maybe Armand's wife and they she bumped into him somewhere and kind of they they talked about what they were doing and she said oh you should speak to Rowan because uh, you know who I know from the Amy Winehouse Foundation so we got introduced in June of 2018 but I had already committed to leaving for this other thing so I kind of had a, a nice chat with Magnus and Armand, the founders of Limpy, um, online, and they told me what they needed and stuff. And I, I loved the sound of it, but I just said, I, you know, it's, I can't really, I've committed to this uh, this job. 
So that didn't work oh. out. And so this is another example of what I said with the Amy thing. I All I did was send Magnus and Armin an email to say, how's it going? I think this was in November. Just how's it going? Just put a check in. And they were like, oh, it's going great. But we would still love you to be involved. How are oh things going now? So, and then that was it. And that was in, I guess that was in, I think that was in November. And that was it. I mean, it was a big kind of last minute decision for me but it was also <laughs> like it was also kind of again I needed work and it was an exciting opportunity so I kind of went over there for I guess it was like five six months um but they were great you know they made it really comfortable for me they got me a lovely apartment and they also um I think you guys lived in it <laughs> yeah I was gonna say which I actually lived in after yeah, you you, <laughs> you did <laughs> Best apartment ever. It was so nice, but can you imagine I was one person in there? I was like, gonna say wow. was I lived there with five three of you other in there girls. by the end. <laughs> and I was just it was great. And they you know, I could I could go home and it meant I could have family visit and stuff. But um yeah, so that was that was how I got to Limpy. So it was just one conversation between two people and then me following up with that email. And I think there's a lot to be said for that like just sometimes you've just got to follow up and I think it, it really applies to guys in your position you know like I've worked with all these young creators now hundreds of yes. you and it can be so like that that email thing or that reaching out can feel so scary and like oh but they probably won't reply or but they might they just yeah, might and, and your life can change forever and it's just funny because I uh, you know it's it's so weird because when we came to Limpy, the second year of Limpy, that was kind of your first full year. And I don't know why, but I think all of us got the impression that you were some sort of like therapist, <laughs> yeah. mental health worker that we were supposed to talk to if we felt yeah. felt the need to chat, you know. And oh, I, I think so it's true. just the, the, the impact you have on people. Mm. But you're you're so great with it too. I know you're not a trained or educated therapist, but you still have a lot of experience with mental health. And I don't know how you always knew what to say, but how would you say that mental health has or the industry like affects mental health? Uh, to answer the first bit just around uh, obviously, yeah, it was it was a bit of a joke that people, I think some people actually genuinely thought I was a school counsellor. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know, like, like you said, I've had no training in that. But I think, I think my nature is to be very empathic. I think I can feel what people are going through, even if they don't say it. not not the details or, or, you know, kind of, I'm not a mind reader. But I just have a real sense of when people are struggling. And I and I didn't always catch everyone, I'm sure, because, I, you know, people have their ups and downs. But I definitely could mm. have a way to sense when people are just not OK. And sometimes people just need someone to say, like, are you OK? And, you know, and, and yeah, I guess that's just and it's just something I've learned over the years. And, you know, I've also learned the hard way in some instances, you know, that when you have that very open hearted, empathic nature, you know, there is the word empath now, which probably, you know, is a fairly new term. But when I saw that, I was like, bloody hell, that's me. Like, I totally yeah. get it. Like, you soak up everyone else's stuff. And you have to really learn how to manage that because it's definitely a gift, but it's also 
can be really hard going on you if you don't know how to set boundaries and stuff. So exactly, I, think, um, I feel like both me and Armina really relate to really, to yeah. that, to that, and to mm. you in that position. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you it's to, true. Yeah, you have to manage it. I'm sure you've both felt exhausted sometimes by, yeah, just trying to be there for everyone. It gets it yeah. gets hard. Yeah, I'm putting more effort and uh, energy on other people than yourself, and then you kind of end up feeling empty and lost yeah yeah and that's when uh, in my case that's when i started feeling like stressed and i I got so much anxiety and i didn't really know what i was doing with my life because i was doing so much things for other people that i forgot about myself and i never really experienced uh, that anxiety before and now we talked a lot about it me and siri but i think this is basically why you do and work with so this is just a great opportunity for us to 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 learn. <laughs> yeah, to learn. And also this is your job. Like we're just we're just relating to you as a person because we're all empaths, I think. Mm. But for you that's also your your career and what you do. Right. Or or a big part of it. It is so a big how, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also it's often not been in my job description as such. It's like because <laughs> I I don't I don't think anyone can foresee what yeah like there's a part of what I give in all of my jobs I think that probably hasn't been asked for and and sometimes that's probably not great because again it's coming from that place of an empath of trying to you know but I think you know certainly um Amy's Yard I created with my colleague myself so I could do that the way that I wanted to do it and I employed people that I knew had the same values and therefore it became this hugely nurturing program for people that really needed it because they had all come to us from a life of you know real struggles um and I think at Limpy you know they they loved that I'd had that experience and I think while there's other aspects to the role they knew that the students needed someone to be like I think I've been called Mama Limpy but you know that kind yes. of oh yeah we called you that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but yeah just the nurturing role because also you know they're guys right and like they're they're really nice guys and they've got young families and stuff so they they I've seen you know they they can be incredibly caring people but there's something sometimes without sounding sexist but sometimes women just have a different way with people and mm, definitely yeah, yeah so um I think I brought that feminine energy in a bit more yeah I felt that it was something about your energy too that made me feel more like at home and comfortable at home and comfortable yeah and it was not because as soon as it was another like mentor or or whatever um it was immediately uh music and pressure and this so but with you you didn't have that that same connection to us so it was more like okay we can actually talk about life and other things than music Oh, I think so, you asked me another question before we've gone completely off track. No, it was just like how how does men- mental health affect young creatives? Like in in your experience, how how has that become such a big part of us? Sort of. It's funny because I I feel like it can happen both ways. So I feel like creatives are often very sensitive vulnerable feeling people anyway so I think that's what draws them to it that's what means they need a way to express themselves and that's what makes them so fantastic at making art whatever that art is um Amy for example you know like that second album Back to Black that is just her pouring her heart out and and talking about heartbreak 
and the reason it's so successful it was so successful and popular and still now is because we all relate to those feelings so it's almost like artists and creatives can show the rest of us what we feel but don't have the kind of way to express it and I think so I think you, you kind of need an element of that to some extent to 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 make good art but at the same time then I think the business side maybe and just the kind of the unpredictable highs and lows of 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 mm. making putting your art out there and being judged for your art and is it ever good enough and all of those things then bring on all sorts of other feelings of anxiety and not feeling good enough so it's kind of difficult so then you've got some of the most vulnerable people in the most putting themselves out in the most vulnerable of ways and therefore very open to kind of yeah feeling pretty crap sometimes i know it's a very hard question to answer and there's no not really a correct answer maybe but what how can we improve our thinking as young creators i mean i think it is so important that people I think what Limpy does and what we did at Amy's Yard and I think it's we're we're really onto something there is is incorporating the other side of stuff the holistic stuff the well-being stuff into our programs so that people maybe and hopefully get into a habit of just taking care of themselves I mean for me over the years the thing I think I've learned is the most fundamentally important is around self-esteem. I I really honestly think that that is at the root of so much. Like I just, without that, I think it, it, it has so many negative stories running on it if you don't kind of believe in yourself and have self-worth and kind of, because then every situation in your life is kind of gonna be reflecting that to you. And it's really easy to kind of get into very negative places and 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 use negative coping mechanisms um so i think i would certainly encourage people to really work on developing their self-esteem and that might sound like an impossible task but i guess i certainly didn't have great self-esteem when i was maybe in my even up to kind of my mid-20s or so or maybe didn't even really understand that i think you guys are a real advantage the conversations i hear you guys have on the podcast or just you know like mm -hmm. in my interactions with students at Limpy I feel like you guys are way ahead like way way ahead you have an awareness of stuff um that I don't think I would have had at your age for sure um so I think I mean some of the things that we end up repeating a million times through Limpy which you'll remember mm -hmm. but this is also partly because of the intensity of Limpy um, yeah. But, you know, the basics of just making sure you're looking after yourself and you're eating and you're sleeping and you're kind of, um, yeah, just, just doing the basics because it's so easy when you're, like, driven to, like, make great stuff and make, it's all about the music and kind of, you know, yeah, it's easy to forget what the basics of, of just looking after yourself and kind of getting out in nature Definitely. and seeing friends and having days off and, you know, just maintaining that balance. Um, and I think deciding for yourself you know you being your judge of your own self-worth like rather than it being somebody else's always putting that in the hands of somebody else or of the public or of other people like you being taking responsibility for your self-worth because it isn't really anyone else's responsibility and and it's such a it's of such importance 
Yeah. That is so true. It's very true. And I think what the first thing you said about the basics, I think that's the hardest part for for us because at yeah. limpy like obviously limpy was very intense but life is intense for creators anyways because we're usually in the studio for hours and forget to eat forget to drink forget like we stay up late get up early because we're r- literally working our asses off and just remembering to it's okay to take a break or you need to eat Mm. get enough sleep like all those things i remember at limpy you said that so many (laughs) times times. so So many many times times. but it was so appreciated because we literally forgot between every time you said it (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess maybe that's just about you know and also like i i have to laugh at myself sometimes because you know especially this year I don't do those things sometimes, you know, like I forget and I know the things that are going to make me feel better and they're meditation and yoga and all those things. And I, I forget, I haven't meditated for months, to be honest, and I know they'll make me feel better and I'll yeah. certainly recommend it to you guys or whoever, you know, needs my assistance now at Limpy. But, you know, it's so it's, it's, it's work, it's commitment, actually. It's like they call those yeah. things practice. You know, it's yoga practice, it's meditation practice because you've got to keep at it. It doesn't, it's not like just a thing that it, it, you've got to make that commitment. And I think, yeah, making that commitment is like a, is a, is a dedication to self-love in a way. It started for me basically Olympic because that's when I started working and I, I kind of glorified uh, the hard working like I saw everyone else working every day and I wanted to do that too so it was wrong if I went home to just watch a movie I felt like I did something I shouldn't do and I think that's really like in this industry yeah. yeah what and do you think crazy, about that like really, how- because that that's actually you really taking care of yourself like you you know yeah. leaving to watch a movie or have a night off is probably much more recommendable than than just working every day and I think that's also a reflection of just society and how rewarded it is to be busy like it's almost like you don't feel like you're getting life right if you can't say to someone oh I'm just so busy oh I've got so much going on it's like sometimes like just it's it's nice to not be busy and to have a completely full schedule and all of those things i think it's very important too to not like because i see a lot of the whole like yeah glorifying the the non-stop work that people do and i just feel like it's uh, i talked a lot to siri about this that it's yeah it's cool that you work hard but it's not cool when you're basically uh yeah pushing yourself to a limit exactly for it yeah that's not cool and it it shouldn't go that far you know And I, that's what I think is romanticized yes, a lot. Yes, romanticized. To, to work a lot and and to push yourself and be a hard worker. But being a hard worker should also mean that it's okay to take breaks and still manage to do everything you should. And we're all individual as well. So it's like what works for one person doesn't have to work for you. Like you know your better Important. way of working. Yeah, so it's like that exactly. thing of don't ever judge yourself by someone else's standards. Like judge them by your own. Like if that isn't yes. going to work for you, if you can't do the eight hours without food and you know, because often it makes you pretty unproductive in the studio or what, what with yeah. whatever you're doing. You know, if you if you haven't slept, like sometimes this was a mainly a producer thing you know they're in there till like six o'clock in the morning tweaking all their knobs and stuff 
and then like <laughs> then they can't get in to meet their group in the morning that off you know and and mm. or they get up early and they just can't really function so there's a reason that we say or you know generally humans have to sleep and eat and stuff it's because we need to replenish and we need to kind of our brain needs to be back in working order and when we when we like don't, neglect those things we, we're not on top form so yeah yeah wow okay before we end this podcast episode we have to it's the dig deeper babe podcast we can't not ask you this question <laughs> um how's your love life <laughs> oh it's great actually yeah i've um Funnily enough, I met my boyfriend just before I came to Limpy, so it was really right. unfortunate. I had been single for a long time, <laughs> and I met him, and oh, we just—it was great. Like it, it very quickly was. Um, you know, I really adored him, but we had been going out for three weeks. We'd been dating, so yeah, we weren't girlfriend and boyfriend. Oh. We'd been dating for three weeks when I accepted the job to Limpy. So I think. Yeah, we were kind of talking at the time I came to meet them. Uh, you know, I came over to Lilyhammer to meet them for an interview and stuff. And uh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, so I, I just had to take the job. I mean, it's like I, I really liked him, but I thought, well, I don't know if it's going to work out. And it would be a bit psycho to turn down a job if, yeah. just in the hope that this was going to go well. <laughs> You're just like, I really like you, but I'm going to Norway now. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully and, it will. And that's what okay. I had to do, you know. And like he took me to the airport and I actually cried my eyes out, not just because Aww. of him, but because of, you know, just it was a big deal. And uh, no, and it, it worked really well. He came over a couple of times and I came back home a couple oh. of times and the five months went quick. And now he's been living with me since the August when I got back and we're really good. So it's just over two years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So nice. Yes. Uh, yes. Wow. We always have to ask about love life, of course. And how is it? Like, I guess since it was so fresh, sort of, when this past year you've had a lot of time for each other but normally how do you combine work life with your personal life and love life with you know what it's worked really well I because I spent so long on my own I was a bit worried about how do you suddenly then have somebody in your life all the time I, yeah, I actually right. really I like my own time and I'm I, I'm independent and stuff so I worried about that, but he's from not from London, and his some of his business is is up in the West Midlands in Wolverhampton. So, and because of Limpy, obviously, I've always done been doing quite a bit of travelling, and so we both travel for work sometimes, and it's been completely normalised for us because of my five months, you know, so early on, and yes. so it just works really well. There's none of that like, oh, what you're going somewhere without me, or you know, it's like we we have yeah. quite a lot of independence. Um, and although we've spent so much time together this last year in lockdown, it's been totally fine, actually. Like, he hasn't really got on my nerves that much. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's a great that's sign. Really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we love that for you. That's so yeah, good. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so, so much for coming. Yes. For joining through Zoom. Yes. So... This is a perfect Corona example of uh, podcast podcasts. Yeah, and it's thank you for light, bringing light to such an important subject, and thank you for being you and yes. helping us so much through the past year and a half, actually, because you're still in our heads all the time, even though we don't hear you say it every day. Oh, that's so sweet. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I love. I mean, I just love seeing you all 
growing and kind of I love the extended limpy family and how much you're kind of immediately just related to each other and looking out for each other yeah. and working together and yeah it makes me very happy Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Dig deeper, babe. With Siri Elton and Arena Beachy. <laughs>